Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Otto Hansen, CEO and founder of TermScout, a contract review platform that's raised $7 million in funding. Otto, thanks for chatting with me today. Hey, Brett. Really excited to be here. Yeah. So before we begin talking about what you're building there, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Sure. I'm Otto Hansen, co-founder, CEO of TermScout. My background is I grew up in Arizona, love the outdoors, live in Colorado now, worked in startups early in my career, got beat up by lawyers a lot and decided that if I was going to be a good entrepreneur, I needed to have some legal background. So mid-career, kind of left entrepreneurship, went and uh, got a law degree, and then ended up going and practicing law for just a few years at a large corporate law firm, became what I like to call a minimally viable attorney, and, <laughs> uh, and lasted just long enough to identify some big, big problems with contracts in particular as a big body of legal complexity and legal blockades to commerce, so to speak. So I saw some problems and decided to go out and fix them at TermScout. Wow. Interesting journey. Working at a big corporate law firm, that sounds like a lot of fun. What was that experience like? Uh, grueling. You hear stories about you know long hours, heavy stress, and I actually really like the work. It's intellectually challenging. It's interesting work. And it's also incredibly stressful. As a corporate attorney in particular, you are you're really in the middle of people's like make or break business transactions, the really big ones, the mergers and acquisitions, the VC financings, and you're the guy that's slowing everything down and keeping them from closing. And there's also just a tremendous amount of pressure to get every single I dotted and T crossed. And my body didn't deal with the stress of that environment very well. So I'm, I'm really glad to be out of it. Nice. Yeah, I can imagine. And what's your favorite outdoor activity to do there in Colorado? Stand-up paddleboarding on rivers is my current favorite hobby. Not in the winter. Winter time right now, we're doing a lot of sledding. We've got two daughters, one six months old and one two years old, and they are hardcore sledders. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. All right. Two other questions we'd like to ask just to better understand what makes you tick as a founder. First one, what CEO do you admire the most and what do you admire about them? Yeah, this is an easy one for me. It's Yvonne Chouinard of Patagonia, the CEO of Patagonia, former CEO of Patagonia, but he founded Patagonia, you know, incredible clothing company, super, you know, big fan of their products and brand and just company ethos. But really he as a founder, he was a, a kind of a dirtbag climber who loved the outdoors and decided to start a small kind of gear company to help finance his climbing addiction, so to speak. And, and as the company got bigger and bigger and better and better, I mean, he built a phenomenal company, but he then gave the whole thing away. And he really is, you see CEOs out there today, you see this effective altruism movement and it's like, you know, people are trying to amass billions of dollars so that they can quote unquote, give it away. But to date, I don't think anybody's actually truly given it away. What most CEOs do is, you know, they earmark it, but it actually, they promise to give it away over a period of time. And during that period of time in the interim, they're amassing additional wealth off of the capital. So not to diminish that, that's better than nothing. And 
we need more of that too. But Chouinard really, I think, took it a huge step further and said, here's the whole company we're donating to charity, no tax advantages. Just talk about a guy who's really talking the talk. Yeah, for lack of a better description, he's uh, him and Patagonia are just a very aligned organization. I think it's become cool in recent years to be a mission-driven company. But I think for a lot of companies, it's just bullshit. It's something they say to you know, appeal to investors or you know to customers. But everything that Patagonia does, every action they take, every move they make, really does seem to be very aligned around their mission, which is so cool to see. 100% agree. We only hope to follow their model and be as big and successful, both on the pure like company metrics side of the house and on the impact on the environment or social causes that we want to move. So when I see your name on the Forbes rich list after Term Scout goes public, I'll say, all right, have you given away all that money yet? <laughs> yes, hold me accountable. Come back and <laughs> play this clip for us uh, so, so we can uh, get incentives <laughs> if, God forbid, I have proven to be corrupted like so many others by that point. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. And what about books? There's a specific book that's had a major impact on you as a founder. And I always say this can be a business book or it can just be a personal book that's really influenced how you view the world. Yeah, it's such a great question. I love that you asked this in your podcast because there's so many good answers. For me, it's The Lean Startup by Eric Reese. It's, I think, just a fundamental sort of building block of any startup is understanding how to build, measure, learn, to use the terminology from the book, but really how to how to learn. A great mentor of mine once said, the best companies are the companies that learn the best, the best startups anyways. And that book is all about how do you learn really fast? Because we've all got ideas and 99% of them don't work for whatever reason. The market doesn't want them in that particular format. The economics don't work, whatever. There are a million reasons why things don't work. But like, usually there's something in that vein that if you're able to learn quickly and pivot quickly and adjust, you can find the version of that problem that you want to solve that can be successful. And so we spend a lot of time, we ask every new employee to read the book. We have a YouTube video that's a kind of a condensed version by this guy, Alberto Savoia, who does like a build the right hit, very similar type talk, which is all about like, how do you build something? How do you prototype something quickly, get it in the market, get some customer data, and then figure out what to adjust and how to win? And you mentioned there you know, ideas that you think are going to work and they don't. Is there an example of an idea that you know, in your brain, you're like, this is genius, this is going to work for sure. And you went out and tried to execute on it and just found out it didn't work? Oh my gosh, a, a huge graveyard of such ideas. <laughs> the first one that came to mind was actually one of the first ideas that we toyed with. So Term Scout, our company, we're all about helping people understand contracts. You know, our goal, our mission is to make contracts simple and useful. And the first idea that we toyed with and actually launched was kind of like a Yelp type app where attorneys could register, prove that they were an attorney. And then if you were an attorney, we would let you create a public review of a contract that you were reading. The idea was like, actually, when I practiced law, I read the Salesforce main services agreement, it's called their primary customer agreement for multiple different customers. And I was like, wow, if I could have just created a single review, maybe shared it with a bunch of people, I could save thousands of people the time of reading this contract. So we launched that and we did a quick beta experiment, literally inside of a day, we had five different attorneys review the same contract on like 10 key metrics. And it was really simple. It was like, 
how would you rate this contract on privacy? How would you rate it on limits on liability for this party versus that party? So they had these like 10 metrics and the results were all over the place. Like one attorney gave it a five on privacy, another attorney gave it a one on privacy. And, you know, we realized like, oh, one of those attorneys is like a divorce lawyer. You know, they're not well equipped to comment on the privacy, you know, qualities of this contract. So we looked at that data really quickly and like, whoa, we're going to need like hundreds of reviews on any contract in order for this right signal to actually break through the disparity or, or disparate potential answers. So we scrapped that idea and we took it in house and we decided to try like, what if we actually just created our own rating mechanism and brought all of that in-house so we could use our own subject matter experts to make sure it's really high quality and that we don't have to figure out how to control for reviewers out there that may not actually be the right people to be reviewing that particular subject matter. Fascinating. And thanks for sharing that. That's always fun to hear examples there. Now, let's talk a bit more about Term Scout. So Let's begin with, you know, how would your customers articulate the problem that you solve? Let's say that they're sitting at a bar talking to a buddy and they say, okay, yeah, I'm using this company called Term Scout and they're solving this problem. What is that problem? Yeah, so we have kind of two types of customers. So the first one, a great example is IBM. You know, if we were at the bar with IBM's sales team right now, the guys and gals who are selling IBM cloud services, what they would tell you is, you know, Brett, Every time I go to sell cloud services to an enterprise customer, they come back and they take our contract and they mark it up and lawyers get involved. And when I would have closed at the end of the month and hit my Q4 quota, instead, it got locked into legal for 60 plus days. I missed my quota and the whole deal got mocked up and the relationship with the client got soured all because these lawyers came in and like marked up the contract to high ends. And what TermScout is doing for me, they've actually worked with our legal team to make sure that our contract is reasonable to help us really benchmark that contract against market norms, make it great. And then they produced all this data that we can use to show our customer, hey, we've worked really hard to make this contract good. Here's a bunch of neutral, independent third-party data to prove it. And what we're seeing is more than 40% of customers are starting to sign that contract without negotiating. A number of our customers are measuring this and you know we're just seeing phenomenal rates of reduction in the instance of customers that are either insisting on using their contract or marking up our contract. So that's half of what we do. The other half of what we do is actually help IBM's customers or really any company that's buying stuff, we help them understand the contracts that their vendors are proposing. So if you were going to buy IBM, for example, you could use TermScout to review their contract. We have an AI-only version of this, which is actually free to the public. You can go try it out at termscout.com. And then there's an advanced version that goes through HumanQC that's uh, a more white glove service. But what we do is we say, hey, we want to help you understand which of your vendor contracts are good and bad, essentially. The good ones, we want to help you fast track those right to signatures. No need to waste time. There's no need to send those through complicated legal processes. We can eliminate those quickly. The bad ones, let's actually figure out how you can most quickly get those to a reasonable place. So to some extent, is this displacing lawyers in a way that would normally review these contracts? Or how do you think about that? No, I don't think so. And, you know, this stuff is really complicated. And I think it's dangerous. We advise all our customers, like, Use us with your attorney, not instead of your attorney. And sometimes, though, that means 
create rules with your attorney, have a conversation with your attorney to figure out when are you comfortable with me signing a contract? If TermScout can prove that it meets all of these requirements and it gives it this rating, you know, then can I sign it? And that's a conversation for you to have with your attorney. I like to say that AI isn't going to replace attorneys. Attorneys using AI are going to replace attorneys who aren't using AI. And that's, I think, the world that we live in today is, you know, if you really want to be on the cutting edge of this stuff, get your hands on ChatGPT, go play with it, figure out how you can use it to leverage up or level up in your particular role. Use TermScout. We got a free contract review tool that leverages some cutting edge AI to help you do your job better. And like, that's the best way to guard against this idea of robots or AI taking our jobs. Nice. I love that. And I see on the website, it's a, a contract database. Can you just explain to us how that database works, what exactly is being collected there, how big the database is, and just any color you can provide. Yeah, a big part of our belief, Brett, is that it should be really easy for people to understand the contracts that they're signing. And so one of the initiatives that we've taken on is today, most B2B software companies and even a lot of B2C companies, they publish their contracts on their websites. So Salesforce, Microsoft, Google, IBM, you name it. These companies all have their contracts publicly available. So what we've done is gone out and grabbed those contracts and reviewed them and rated them and compared them. And we've used our most rigorous review level, which is we call verification. A verified contract is a contract that goes through not only AI review, but also human quality control. And so the verified public database that you're referring to is a database of, oh, I think it's around probably 1,500 public contracts most of them offered by vendors, a handful of them are customer forms. So like Coca-Cola's standard purchase terms that it asks its vendors to sign, for example. And you can go on our platform with a free account right now and go see what any of those contracts look like. You can see exactly what they say. You know, you can see breakdowns in layman's terms. You can see market data on how common or uncommon every term in all of those. You can compare them. It's a really, really rich tool. And the goal is to help people understand what's market. It's really all about bringing market data to the masses and making sure everyone can access it. And then how would you determine like a good contract from a bad contract? Is there like a certain clause that you know, could turn a contract into a bad contract or is it not that binary? Is it like a scale of like one to 10 or what does that rating look like? Oh, it's a really good question. A lot of what our business depends on is a proprietary rating algorithm and methodology. And the way it works essentially is it looks at everything that matters in a specific contract type. So if we're talking about a software license agreement, we ask all the substantive questions that a lawyer would ask. And we use real lawyers, real subject matter experts to program this into our software. But it's like, is the vendor indemnifying me for third-party IP infringement? Is there a non-compete? You know, And each of these things, like if I agree to protect your confidential information, that's good for you and that's bad for me. And so we program that into our software that like, that's a little bit more, if you're the customer, customer favorable if that provision's there. And so basically we're looking at like 700 data points. Many of them have these value judgments associated with them. And then an algorithm rolls it up into an overall rating. And so what, what you actually see as a user is what percent of this contract do we think favors you versus me? So Google Cloud, for example, has a really customer-friendly agreement it gets a rating of 70% customer favorable on our platform. AWS, the AWS customer agreement that they ask their customers to sign, 
doesn't perform so well. It's got a lot more objectively less customer favorable things in it, more vendorable favorable things. It receives a rating of, I think it's 70% vendor favorable. So you've got, that's what ratings essentially look like is kind of what percent of the contract favors each party to the agreement. Got it. That's super interesting. And, you know, you may have seen in the news, there's been a couple of articles about chat GPT lately. Um, <laughs> joking, of course, it seems like that's all that exists on the, in the media and on, on LinkedIn, especially. So what's that been like for you being an AI company, you know, in this space? Have you just seen an influx of demand from customers and investors who want to get involved after when did chat GPT really become big? Maybe two months ago? Yeah, it was, uh, it was middle of November, late November, maybe. And yeah, well, look, it's been really exciting. Um, kudos to OpenAI for releasing something so groundbreaking that it got the conversation just kicked into like 10th gear. So yeah, we're kind of secondary beneficiaries, you might say, of the excitement around it. We're really delighted. You know, we've been building bespoke sort of specialized AI for a few years now. and you know, on the one hand, we're super excited to see this breakthrough, the the conversational chat-based AI and the improvements, you know, underlying the GPT 3.5 updates there. And it's super cool stuff. And we're even experimenting as we speak with adding some elements from GPT into our product to enhance it even further. And at the same time, we feel even more confident about our own direction and the AI that we've built and trained in-house which is really like a different type of model, right? GPT is large language model. We're taking all the language from this huge data set and trying to predict the next word. And at TermScout, we've actually said, actually, we're kind of more like a small language model. We want a much smaller data set, but much higher quality signal in that data set. So we've custom built a training set that has been hand-trained by subject matter experts and has been really, really effective at answering the types of substantive questions that we know an experienced attorney in the field would want to know the answer, would need to know the answer to in order to determine like, is this contract better for you or for me? So it's cool. We're excited. We're excited to be part of the conversation and, um, and we're excited to see what happens with AI. I mean, generally, yeah, there's some risks out there what can it do in the wrong hands? But overall, we tend to be pretty optimistic. I guess I could speak for myself anyways. I tend to be pretty optimistic. And I think there's really a lot of good that's going to come out of AI and, and all the sort of tangential technologies that are being built around it over the coming years. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like everything, right? There's going to be pros and cons that come with it, but you can't deny it. It's cool. I think even you know critics of it, maybe they haven't spent enough time playing with GBT, but... The first time I played with it, I was truly mind blown. Like my brain still can't understand how it's able to do that, but it's pretty cool technology. It's really amazing and really exciting to see all of the different use cases that are going to come out of it. I think especially as companies start to build on top of it and, and integrate it into their existing products and services as well. Now let's talk a little bit about traction and adoption. So are there any numbers that you're okay with sharing that really just highlight the growth that you're seeing? Yeah, so we've been on a tear lately. It's It's been really exciting to see. We've got some really exciting aspects of our business that are exciting our team, our stockholders, our investors. Among them, revenue growth has been solid. I, I can't share any numbers there, but we've been on a tear. You know, 2023 has been a good year for us. Uh, <laughs> of course, it just started, but it's looking really positive. 
we've got a user growth as well, especially that's been kicking in with the generative AI. We launched some really exciting partnerships over the last kind of six months with world commerce and contracting organization, how to contract and others. And, you know, there's, I think, an average of 6,000 contracts being analyzed on our platform every month right now. So, you know, there's a lot of activity. We like to think we're putting a, a pretty big dent in the contracts that are being reviewed around the world. Although realistically, 6,000 a month is actually nowhere close to a big dent, but it's a, you know, it's a number that we're proud of for where we are as a company. Are there any numbers out there about how many contracts are signed per month or per year? Or is that probably just impossible to gather? I think it's impossible to gather, but like we've tried to calculate it ourselves and it's in the billions. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. That's crazy. Well, nice. That's super cool. And what do you attribute to this growth? You know, why are you guys on a tear right now? What are you doing right? Yeah, it's a great question. I think ease of use is a big part of it. We spent a lot of time focusing on just product and technology. And for the $7 million that we raised, the vast majority of it has gone to, you know, building great products, getting the subject matter experts to make sure that the data integrity is really, really high. So the customers that use our products, they trust them really fast. We worked hard to build trust into the DNA of the product. We know that if you're going to rely on us to make a decision about whether or not to sign a contract, that's a really high trust relationship, really high stakes relationship. And so customers that get in there quickly find out, wow, they actually show their work. If we tell you that X clause is present within one click of the mouse, you can actually see the source language from the contract that proves the veracity of that statement. So most of our growth candidly comes from word of mouth. It comes from, you know, we have one happy customer that shares it. You have IBM who has a certification on their contract. You know, their customers see it. They see that we're working together, that we're helping them reduce contract friction and they come over and they find out quickly that we're solving a lot of really important problems. Nice. And what about market categories? How do you think about the market category that you're in? Is this contract review or is this going to be a category creation play where you create a totally new type of category? Both. We're in one crowded category, which is contract review technology. There's a lot of players in this space. I'm not aware of any that are giving away a free contract review AI tool like we are, but there are a lot of higher-end contract review products in the B2B space. So that's one category that we're in. On the contract certification side, though, we've really created a category. And that category is all around using objective data to help people. It's kind of around helping the owner of a contract help you make your contract great and then give you the data you need to prove that to your counterpart, like real objective third-party data to prove it. And in that particular space, there's really no one else. And if you look towards the future, what do you think is going to make up the majority of the business? Is it eventually going to be the contract certification or is there always going to be this even split between contract review and, and contract certification or is that still TBD? I think it's both. I mean, our vision of the world is like people need businesses. We need a neutral, independent third party to help us get to contract faster. And what we're trying to be is that neutral, independent third party for both parties for both sides of the transaction, because really we're bringing an objective sort of data-driven approach to this. There's no subjectivity in it. When two people go to negotiate a contract today, it's all subjective. But when you bring TermScout into the mix, it's really just, hey, look, here are the facts. Here's what this party's proposing. Here's what this party wants. Here's the market data that shows what actually happens here. And if you don't have both sides of that, of the transaction, you end up, I think, 
over-optimizing for one side, and that actually doesn't help that side, right? You need to be trusted by both sides. So I think both parts will always be a part of our business. That's our current hypothesis. Check back with me in a couple of years, Brad, and we'll see. <laughs> Sounds good. And what about go-to-market challenges? So as I'm sure you've experienced, bringing innovative tech to market is not easy. What's been the greatest challenge so far and how'd you overcome it? I think building awareness generally is one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, we live in just a crowded world. Business crowded. You know, there are so many companies trying to get our attention. And as one of those companies, it's hard to break through the noise and get your signal to the right people. We also, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we made a conscious decision to invest really heavily in product and therefore less heavily in marketing. And so we kind of decided to be a product first company. And that means that just getting the word out has been that much harder. Like we just hired our first full-time marketer this month. So that gives you a sense of sort of <laughs> we've been about the business. So, you know, our big challenges right now, and I think our big challenges have always been just like, how do you get the word out to enough people to grow really fast? Makes a lot of sense. All right. Last question here for you. Let's zoom out into the future three years from today. What does TermScout look like? We hope three years from today, Brett, that when you, in your capacity as an individual or as a business person, entrepreneur, when you go to open up a contract from someone, you have instantaneous, accurate, and reliable data that tells you this is exactly what this contract means. This is how good or bad it is for you. Here's how every single provision compares to market. Or similarly, here's the stuff that's out of market. And in your capacity as a company, anyways, here's what approvals you would need before you could sign it. And all of that data is served up in an automated fashion in a way that you can trust so that we get out of this world we live in now where we're blindly signing contracts, some of which, by the way, are very, very bad for us. And we're in a new world where actually everyone has access to really reliable, trustworthy data about the contracts they're signing at the click of a button. And if we're successful at making that happen, we actually think that most contracts will actually just move to market. Contracts will get better and better, and the world will be just a slightly better place. That's so cool. So it's essentially uh, helping people prevent getting screwed as a service, if we had to boil it down. <laughs> that really is what it is. I mean, honestly, that's what it is today. What we really want to happen is to enable you to actually click a button and fix the contract and propose the counter contract and like get it all done with a couple of clicks of the mouse. That's really where we hope to go. And do you envision that eventually being a consumer play, like just you know separating my life, business and personal? Like even personally, I probably sign like I don't know five to ten, maybe more contracts per year, like you know a condo lease, things like that. So do you see individuals you know using this in their personal lives? as well? Or is it more just for the business case? Look, contracts touch people and businesses equally. They don't discriminate, right? <laughs> Any person or business that participates in the economy is necessarily signing lots and lots of contracts. So, you know, for me, the solution should bridge the gap. It should work for everyone. So look, today we're really focused on businesses. That's our business today. That's sort of our beachhead. But now my hope, all of our team's hope is that this works for people too. Nice. That's super exciting. I look forward to uh, sending some contracts your way to review and, and see how the score looks. All right. Unfortunately, that's all we're going to have time to cover for today's interview. Before we wrap up here, if people want to follow along with your journey as you build, where's the best place for them to go? Follow Term Scout on LinkedIn. We're dropping lots and lots of juicy market data 
about what you should be looking for in contracts, what's normal, what's not, what companies have good contracts, what companies have bad contracts. Really fun page to follow. Check us out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about what you're building and share this vision. This has been a lot of fun and this is super exciting and look forward to having you back on here in a couple of years to talk about all of the execution you've done on making this vision happen. Thanks so much for having me, Brad. Really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Yep. Talk to you. Bye.